Thank you for joining us for today's message. We're always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email to amen at imtheexchange.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at imtheexchange.com. Doing this will help us to bless others and bring messages to you each week. Today's message is from our lead pastor, Pastor Jared Brooks. Please take a moment and prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Pastor Kevin said a while ago how bad we miss you guys, that uh, we cannot express it enough. I've realized through all of this uh, COVID-19 stuff uh, how much I've taken for granted handshakes and hugs and high fives, <laughs> and it's been difficult. So we miss you guys so bad. Now, I want to remind you, we're in, we haven't really done this. We haven't focused on it a whole lot because of uh, not being here. But I want to remind you that if you check in to Facebook, if you go on and you just check in, um, all of these check-ins, you watching online and you listening and being a part of it, all of our check-ins right now go to the COVID-19 relief. We partnered with Convoy of Hope. And so every time you check in, uh, money gets sent to the Convoy of Hope uh, through that. And it's an outreach that we have here at the church. It's a missions ministry. And so we appreciate you checking in and just helping us do missions. Uh, but we miss you guys. We are in, uh, the, we are in week seven of uh, an eight-part series called I Am Exchange Church. Now, if you're watching this morning and you say, well, I don't really attend the exchange or it's not really my home church, that's okay because a lot of this is still applicable to you just as children of God or just uh, men and women of integrity. So we want to include you into this. But I've loved focusing this series on uh, our identity as believers, our identity in the body of Christ and the role that we play and everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we preach and that we teach is centered around the life and the message of Jesus Christ. And that's that's core for us as a church. That's core for me as your pastor is that everything centers around that message. And so what we've done is we've taken that, those thoughts, and we've created eight um, what we call core values, things that, that as a church we want you to know that we value, that we hope you value, and that as people come in or pass us by or people are talking about us in the grocery store, that these are things that they recognize us by. They're characteristics that we exemplify. And so I'm going to kind of recap briefly uh, what we've gone over so far. <laughs> and the first one is we thrive in community. We talked about this several weeks ago. Actually, I believe you guys were all here when we talked about this one. We thrive in community, meaning that you weren't meant to do life alone, that Jesus created you to do life together in community. The second one that we talked about was we come with celebration. That's what just happened, really. That's what our worship time is about, is when we come into this place, we recognize first and foremost what God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. And because of that, we bring celebration every time we come together as a body. The third one was we love without limits. We love people the way Jesus loves us. And the way Jesus was, loves us is without limits, without hesitation, no strings attached. 
The next one was we offer grace. What has been freely given to us, amen? We freely give to other people. The, the fifth one that I talked about was we take risks. And when we say that, we take risks, we mean this. We are and will always strive to be a church that always steps out in faith. That we always step out and believe in faith, even though we may not see it. Even though we may not feel it, we will believe and step out in faith. And so we take risks. Last week, Pastor Kevin brought our sixth one, and it was this. We choose to contribute. In other words, you play a role. We each have a specific part to play. And when we come together, we all play our role. And that what, that's what makes up the body of Christ. And so this week, I'm going to talk about something that is potentially, potentially offensive. Okay? And uh, I was really hoping that this stuff would have lifted by now. I've pushed this one back and back and back. Uh, because I really wanted to do this with actually bodies here. That way I could have someone stand at the door when I say anything that you don't like. So I could, you know, monitor and you just didn't run out on me. But now you're sitting at home or you're watching in your living room or office or car or wherever. And you could potentially just shut me off pretty easily. So I'm going to try to tread lightly. But uh, I want to talk about something that's really awesome. And if you'll hang with me. Uh, I have a surprise for you that we're going to try. I'm not sure how it's going to work. But we're going to try something at the end, and uh, I think you'll enjoy it. But this morning, we're going to talk about this. We give generously. We give generously. And listen, I grew up in church all my whole life. I've been around church my whole life. And I, I, I know, I understand that facade that churches have. And, and, and if you're new to church and you come in, and let me just say this, that there are not as many unchurched people as you think. Most people that we know or meet are actually either churched or de-churched people, meaning that they came into church or they used to be in church or their family was in church and they got mad or offended or hurt by somebody or by something and they left the church. And, and, and people even have come into this church and they bring baggage into this church. And you know what? That's okay. I have baggage. You have baggage. We all have baggage. And it's okay to bring that into this house because we offer grace in this house. And so we all have that about uh, baggage. But when you talk to people, and especially in church, and you start talking about money, I hear this a lot. Well, all the church wants from me is my money. That seems like all they talk about. And I, I just want you to know this. Here at the Exchange Church, and, and, and our, our bookkeeper treasurer is here this morning, and so uh, I may get a boo from him, but I, I say this. Here at the Exchange Church, if you don't want to give, we don't want you to give. And that's okay. And we don't want you to stop coming because you feel like you can't give. What we, what we hope happens is that the vision and the heart and the message of this house gets so stirred up inside of you that, that it does something. And you say, you know what? I want to support. I want to sow into what God's doing. And that you do it with the right heart. Amen. Thank you for all those amens there in, in uh, online world. In fact, 
if we'll do that, we'll learn, first of all, that we can do more together than we ever could do individually. In fact, Paul, he actually gives us the only challenge in the new covenant around, centered around giving. And uh, just for a moment, if, if it's okay with you, I, I'm going to offend somebody that's watching out there online. I'm going to offend some religious people. I didn't hear any no's, so I'm going to take that as it's okay for me to say this. But listen, when you, when you think about it, t- the tithe, the word tithe, that is an old covenant principle. It is a great principle, but it is an old covenant principle. And in the new covenant, Paul gives us some different challenges centered around giving. For example, Paul's writing to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. And he's writing to the church in Corinth, and he says this. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously, everybody say generously. Everybody who sows generously will also reap generously. That's this biblical principle that's true, that it's law. It's just the way it is that if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow abundantly and generously, you reap generously. It's not just talking about finances. It's it's talking about life. And what it's not talking about is that you are blessed just because you give. Okay? So he continues in verse number 7, and he says this. Each of you should give what you have decided. Okay? I'm going to say that again. Each of you, so he's talking about the he's talking about everybody that would be here this morning, everybody that's watching online. He's saying you should give what you have decided. Okay? Decided. That's past tense. That means that you've already decided in your heart. Okay? That means that you don't come into a service, a church service, and get manipulated by the pastor, or we shouldn't have to put orphans up on the screen with Sarah McLaughlin to make you feel guilty so that you start to give, right? Whatever you have decided to give, and he says, in your heart, to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. And here's the challenge, and this is the only principle in the New Covenant. This is not a tithe, okay? This is why we give generously. This is why we give with a a cheerful heart. And he says this, because God loves a cheerful giver. Listen, I mean, it's a, it can be a blessing, and we can appreciate it when you come into this place and, and you feel like you have to give or whatever. But that's not our heart. That's not what we want. We want you to, to decide in your heart what you want to give and give it with a smile on your face because it's exciting. And that's, that's kind of the principle. And, and one of the reasons that we don't, um, we don't really teach tithe here, in fact, and, I, and this, man, I, I've kind of had this discussion with quite a few people who've kind of been in church their whole life, and it's a hard pill to swallow, I understand. But we try not to even use the word tithe. We say offerings a lot, our, our grace offerings, our generous giving offerings, because tithe is an old covenant principle. And, and here pretty soon we're actually going to do a series, and we're going to unpack all these scriptures, and we're going to lay out to you why it's a great principle but it really is an old covenant principle that doesn't really apply to us today in the new covenant. Okay? 
Because what happens around tithe is this. People get it in their head, and, and maybe you weren't taught this way, but I have heard this off and on my whole life. I've traveled. I've seen tons and tons and tons of churches. I've heard tons and tons and tons of messages on, <coughs> on giving. And a lot of people believe that if you can't give 10%, then you're cursed. You're not blessed. And so if somebody comes into this house and they're broke and they just don't have it and they only have 2% or they only have 7%, they choose to not give because they feel I can't give the whole 10%. And all of a sudden, they're, they're, this generosity and this giving with joy, it's not in their heart because of all the thoughts that they've had when it comes to tithing. And then there's kind of a flip side of that too. The flip side is that there are people who come into this house, who are blessed and have a, a, just a, a blessed job, a blessed life, blessed finances, and they are able to give over 10%. But they choose, you know what, I'm only required to give 10%. And so I'm not going to give more than 10 because I'm only required. And what it does is it takes away that generous heart because God loves a cheerful, a generous giver. The reason that I believe that we should give generously, <coughs> excuse me, is because you have a direct line to God. You have access to God. You don't need me to stand up here and tell you what you should give. You don't need me to stand up here and say, if you don't give 10%, I'm just going to tell you that you're cursed. Um, I've heard people say this a lot. Um, if you don't give your 10%, God's going to get his money. You're going to pull out of this parking lot. You're going to have a blowout. Uh, your car's going to break down. and You're going to have to shell out all this money. It'd be better to give it now to God. For that's not, that's not New Covenant. That's not the way the kingdom works. But you don't need us to get up here to manipulate you. You have access, and, and it's your job as a Christian, as a child of God, to say, God, what do you want me to give? What, what, what am I, you know, this is, this is kind of where I'm at financially, and you know what? I would love to give this gift to the church. I'd love to give this gift. I'd love to be generous. And, I, and I'm not even talking about just to the church. I'm talking about living a lifestyle of generosity to people around you. How can I be generous? How can be, I be a generous sower? Not so that I can just receive a blessing, but so that I can be a blessing. Does that make sense? And so that's kind of what we're going to talk about this morning. Don't walk away. Don't, don't turn it off because I'm not going to just stay on this. Uh, but I want to challenge your way of thinking. I want to challenge a lot of probably what you've been taught most of your life. <laughs> and I'm not going to tell you that it's all wrong or, or anything like that. But I just want to challenge the way you think. And I want you to shift your mindset from instead of I have to tithe, that I get to give. Okay? There's a big difference there. Instead of I have to tithe, I get to give. I get the joy of giving. And, uh, and that's a powerful, powerful tool in our hands. In fact, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I want you to put this down. And uh, 
Uh, I'm going to put it in your phone. You can tweet it. You can Facebook it. You can Instagram it. You can put it on TikTok. You can do whatever you want. But put this down. Um, committed people are generous. Generous people are grateful. And grateful people celebrate. Okay? Committed people are generous. Generous people are grateful. And grateful people celebrate. Do I got a little bit of time? I got a few minutes. Okay, there we go. Uh, I'm going to do something in just a moment. But listen, this phrase, this phrase is something that I try to live by. You can tweet it, Facebook it, you can TikTok it or whatever. And those of you who are looking at me and you're like, I don't even know what TikTok is. You probably don't have kids. But if you have kids, you understand what TikTok is, okay? Uh, I can tell you a funny story, but I'm not going to go there right now. But this is a phrase that I've tried to live my life and center my life around is that Committed people are generous people. Generous people are grateful people, and grateful people celebrate. So there's a story. I'm going to paraphrase it. I'm not going to read it. We've actually preached this message. I've preached it real recently uh, around the passage in Luke chapter 10, and it's around the story of the Good Samaritan, right? The Good Samaritan. And and you got to understand that Jesus is preaching, and I'm just going to tell you this real fast. Jesus is preaching to a bunch of religious leaders, a bunch of religious Jews. So understand his audience and understand who he's talking to. He's talking to really religious Jews in this culture. And he tells them the story of the Good Samaritan. I love what he does. He starts talking about being generous to your neighbor. Do you understand what being generous to your neighbor is? And as he starts saying this, this wise guy pops off and he says, hey, I got a question. So who's my neighbor? And if you look at the Message Bible, the Message Bible actually says, uh, it says it this way. Looking for a loophole, he asked this question. So who is my neighbor? I wonder how many of us, and I'm not going to say you because I mean me too. How many of us look for loopholes to get out of blessing people, to get out of being generous to people? Like, like, God, did you really tell me to be generous? Is that you, God? Is that, is that the spirit telling me to be? Let me tell you this. There's no other spirit that's going to push generosity on you. Okay? So maybe you'll catch that here in a, a, a minute. But we, we oftentimes look for loopholes to get out of being generous. And so he, he tells this story. He tells this story of the Good Samaritan, uh, and how he hears this religious. And listen, again, remember, when he's telling this, this story to first century Jews, he's talking about a Samaritan. And we've, we've labeled this story the Good Samaritan. But it, this story in the 21st century, this is not offensive to us. Okay? You talk about the Good Samaritan. That's not offensive to me. I don't care about that. It doesn't mean anything. But to Jews living in the first century, this was terrible. They, they believed that the Samaritans weren't even actually human. They were so low class that they weren't even human. And they were so racist towards the Samaritans. So when he gets in the first century in their culture and he starts talking about the Samaritan, this is terrible. <laughs> so let me just kind of put it into perspective for you. If Jesus was here today and he was telling us a story like this and he was trying to explain to us what it is to give to our neighbor, he would probably, instead of the good Samaritan, maybe it would be the good homosexual. Because that kind of messes with the church a little bit, doesn't it? Or maybe he would say the good Republican. 
or the good Democrat, whatever opposite side you're on. Or let's mess up a lot of America. What if he told us the story of the good Muslim? Hmm. Can you imagine? Does that put it in perspective? See, in the church world, there's certain key words. There's certain, like, like loaded words that we say, and all of a sudden, it just kind of gets us, and it makes us nervous. But he starts telling this story, and, and you get perspective and context. And, and this guy, he takes this, this, donk, this, this guy who's been beaten up and robbed. The religious people have already passed by him. The priest and the Levi, the, the church has already walked by this guy. And then this good Samaritan, he starts walking by. And, and this Samaritan sees him, and he takes him. In the church world, maybe it's the, the, the homosexual walks by or the, the Republican or the Democrat or the Muslim, whatever, the, whatever opposite political party you're on, walks by. And, and he becomes the hero of the story. Jesus makes that person the hero of the story. And he takes this guy that's beat up and bloody and left for dead that the religious people just walked by him. They didn't want anything to do with him. And he takes him and he puts him on his donkey and he bandages his wounds. And then he takes him to a, an inn, puts him up for the night, puts a roof over his head, puts food in his belly, gives some, some money to the innkeeper to do above and beyond. I'm telling you something. There's something about being generous, being generous and meeting the needs of others. And Jesus highlights this story with saying, listen, the one who represents the kingdom, the one who represents me, the one who represents the heart of God is the one who loved his neighbor. The religious people, they didn't. They walked by. But this Samaritan to the Jews, this low life, this not even human person, and that was the hero of the story. And, and so we have to learn to be a blessing. Listen, I love giving. Uh, I, one of the reasons that I like cheerfully giving into this house is because I know that in this house, in, as a part of the exchange, we are building something bigger than us to be a blessing to people outside of this house. We didn't build a church so that we could see how many people we could stuff in these walls. We're building a church to see how many people we can love out there who don't understand the concept of the love of Christ for them. They have no clue how much he loves them. And so I give, and, and now the principle of tithe, it's a good start, but it's, it's just a start. And I, I challenge you that if, if you've ever, if you're looking for a good place to start, tithe, a tenth is a great place. But I would also challenge you to not stay there. Don't make that your end goal. Our goal is to build a house and to sow and to give and, and impact the kingdom of God. For me, what I've done recently is I've set up automatic giving uh, because that's easy. I set up automatic giving, one, because I love to give, two, because I always forget to give, three, because it's just easy, and four, did I say I love to give? That's just it. So I set up this automatic giving, and it just comes out. And then that automatic giving, to me, kind of becomes like a bill, uh, like my God bill in my head, and it just comes out, and I don't even have to think about it. And then it enables me to take my extra and bless people, to do things above and beyond, to be generous, to be generous. Isn't that what we are called to do is to be generous? And so I challenge you, anytime that you're in this house and, and, 
And if you're not prepared to give, I, I challenge you to come up with a plan, what you have decided in your heart to be generous with, because God wants you to be generous, and God wants you to have a plan to your generosity. <coughs> one of the things that I, I like to do, one of the things I like to be generous about is I'm a pretty good tipper. Um, <laughs> when we go to restaurants, I like to tip. And I love it when somebody gives me a gift card. You know, they give me a gift card to, like, Texas Roadhouse. It's like a $50 gift card. I'll use that for my meal, and then I can tip, like, 50 bucks. Because the meal would have cost me 50 bucks, and then I'm able to tip, like, crazy. So I love it when people give me gift cards, because then I can tip, like, my whole meal. And so I just love tipping people. And I'm going to do something. I was going to do this at the end of service, uh, but we, we kind of got a little... We're actually we're on ahead of schedule, so I'm going to do this now. But I'm going to ask my my friend if he'll come up here for just a moment, and uh, and it kind of actually fit with where where I'm going a little bit here. But uh, I I won't get too close to you as I know the social distancing thing. What was your name, Eric? Okay, this is my friend Eric, and I don't know if you can see him. You might step over here, Eric, just a little bit right there. And there we go in the light. And I, we hate to put you on the spot and just kind of throw you up here. And, and uh, typically we have real people uh, sitting in the church. But today we're just, I have to pretend that there's people watching. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't, I don't know. But I appreciate you coming in this morning and uh, bringing us a, a pizza. And uh, we ordered this because um, we wanted, we're teaching on generosity and what it means to be generous and how uh, God's called us to be generous givers. And so I don't know, you know, what's going on in your life. I don't know if life is difficult, if you're just making it, if uh, you're just kind of saving up. Uh, but I know for me and my wife, we have a couple of irons in the fire, so to speak, financially, and they are not good right now um, because of just the COVID-19 and everything that we're going through. And it's been difficult. It's been really difficult. And... Um, so this morning, thinking about generosity and what it means to be generous and what it means to give, I just wanted to randomly uh, call and, and ask somebody to come and bring us a pizza that uh, I'm going to give away because I don't even I don't need it today. Um, but I really just lured you in here just because I wanted to bless you. I just wanted to be a blessing to you. And so, uh, and if there's anybody watching online and you want to join in to this blessing, I'm going to ask Pastor Kevin to get your information later, and uh, if, if people start texting in uh, and they add more to it, then we're going to, I'll write you a check this week, and we'll meet up with you, and I'll give you a check, but um, I have, uh, I, I was going to give you $250, if that's okay, is that all right? I, I mean, I've never seen anybody go, well, two, is 250 a good tip? I don't know if 250 is a good tip or not. That's been matched with another 250, and then I did I couldn't find anybody that had um, tens, so it's actually there's 510 dollars here, and then uh, Pastor Kevin said, well hey I want to match it too, and so Pastor Kevin has another 250, so is, is 750 760 a good tip? <laughs> well listen I'm gonna I'm gonna try to find my place in my message here in a minute. But I, I'm going to fast forward to the end, thinking about you. And this is, this is what I want you to, 
to hear today that, that God wants to say to you is that he wants you to know, first of all, he's not disappointed in you. He's not mad at you, that you're not insignificant and that you're not forgotten and that you are amazing and he could not be more in love with you than he is right now. Awesome. Awesome. Well, if if everybody was here, we would stand up and we'd clap. And if, if we weren't in COVID-19, we would all high five you. But now we just have to be like, hey, good, good job. But listen, we love you. And uh, we're so glad that you were able to come in today. And man, we just pray that that's a huge blessing on you. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Now, I, I, I was going to kind of share that at the end, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it fit here. So just bear with me for a moment as I kind of uh, run through this. And listen, if you want to give, if you want to give, if you want to be a part of that, um, text, you can text to give, or you can uh, just post it on our Facebook page that what your intentions are, whatever, and I will get any of that that comes in uh, to him. And I'll, I'll talk about why we do that here in just a moment. But... Um, Listen, I, I give, and we set up online to give, and we love to give, uh, so I, I'm not saying that today to brag or whatever, but I, I'm trying to help you understand. I want to encourage you that I'm never going to stand on this stage and ask you to do something that I myself first am not doing, that I myself first am not living, and, and Shelly and I, we, we love to give. We love to be, I, I, would, I would like to think that we're great givers. Um, and in our businesses, there have been people who have really, really struggled. And, and man, there's nothing more exciting than when we can just bless somebody and give. If, if I find out that people had a need and I didn't know about it, I literally get offended because I want to be a blessing, especially if I can be a blessing. And so I just challenge you to understand that that's the culture that we want inside of our church, that we want to be generous givers. We want to be known personally as generous givers, but even above that, we want people, as they talk about the exchange, and the exchange comes up in conversations, we want them to go, oh man, that is such a generous church. They just love to bless people. They're not a rich church. They don't have a lot of stuff. They're not debt-free, but they love to bless people. Being generous is at the core of who we are, but I, I challenge you with this. It's hard to be generous if you don't plan to be generous, okay? And what I mean by that is if you're not working to be debt-free, if you're not paying bills off and trying to get out of holes, then it's really hard to be generous when you have all this debt on your head, when you have this pile on your head. And so you need to plan to be generous. Can I... Get a big consumerism American amen. Amen. Now listen, check out this passage that I read earlier that Paul taught to the Corinthian church. And this is in the message version, the message version of this passage. And I love the way he says it here. He says this, remember that a stingy, everybody say stingy. He said a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. But a lavish planter 
gets a lavish crop. And then it says this, I want each of you to take plenty of time, and I want you to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give. Paul is given two options. Do you want to be a stingy giver, or do you want to be a lavish giver? And then he says this, that will protect you. If you'll think up in your own mind and decide what you're going to give, that will protect you from sob stories and arm twisting. Wow. And then he goes on and says, because God loves it when the giver delights in giving. And that's why at the exchange, we don't ever want you to feel the arm twisting and the manipulation. We want you to love giving. In fact, sometimes I'll walk off stage and they'll, somebody will say, you forgot to take up the offering. And I'll go, yeah, I, I, I remember it. I just didn't want to say anything because I don't want to be built on that we have to give, have to give, have to give. Because the people who love to give, they give. And they delight in giving. This is why we believe if you can't give from a cheerful place in your heart, we encourage you, don't, you don't have to give. We don't want you to feel manipulated and, and, and twisted to give. God loves it when the giver delights in giving. So real quickly, I came up with three uh, things ab about giving and in the New Covenant what, as it relates to generous giving in the New Covenant. And so if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The first thing. Giving sustains something that is alive. <laughs> giving sustains something that is alive. Now, this first point is really specifically directed at giving as a church and giving into church. Because what I'm talking about is giving to where you belong. Giving to where you are fed. Giving to the place that gives life, that encourages you, and that blesses you. And I, I want to say this, and I'm going to tread lightly, but if this place, if you don't feel life, if you don't feel encouraged and blessed in this place, come and sit down with me and talk to me. And if this is at the house for you, I have relationships with a lot of churches in this area, and we can find a great church because you need to be in a church that is giving life that is blessing, that is lifting up, and that is encouraging and empowering you, and that's what we want to give. And when you have that church, you need to sow into that church to sustain life. Did you know, I don't know if they, how many are still doing it or if they are, but we've had people that live in Dallas and, and other areas that have sown and given uh, their offerings weekly and sometimes monthly and randomly here in this house because they watch us online or they <clears throat> they listen to our podcast, and they feel blessed, and that's okay because that connects us. And so if you have that place, if you have a church like that, and if this is not your church, we challenge you to give and sow to that place that is a blessing to you because we collectively can do a lot more together than I can individually, than you can on your own. You might think that your dollar is in, insignificant, but when you take that one dollar and you add it up with all the other dollars, it becomes a pretty powerful gift in the hands of God and with what God can do with it. And because you give generously, we're able to do some incredible things, things that we would never be able to do without your generous gift. Because you give generously, you know what happened? 
We're not renters anymore. We own a property because you gave generously. Because you give, we're able to put some people on staff that help take care of of our kids and our youth and our, our music. We're able to buy equipment because you've given generously. It's, it's put tools in our hand to help us grow, to help us become the church that we need to be to reach the people that don't know. And so that's what happens when you give. When we come into the, this house, we celebrate what God is doing in our lives. And a lot of that is because of your faithfulness, your generous giving. We give so that we can Have people that are invested here that can help you, that can help all of us do ministry and work together so that ultimately we can get out of this place and reach the lost, reach people who don't know Jesus. That's why we give, to sustain life. I'm going to read something, and I was going to try to paraphrase it, but I, I couldn't do it justice if I did. This was a blog written by Don Linscott, and And in this blog, he says, he titles it, Why the Church Needs His Money. Okay? Why the Church Needs His Money. And um, so I just want to just read it exactly the way he wrote it. And, And pay attention to this. It's really powerful. He says, On July 23rd, 1970, my wife Connie gave birth to a beautiful baby boy. For three years, we had tried unsuccessfully to start a family, So our joy was great with the arrival of what was to be our only biological child. We later adopted a daughter. But Lance was born before it became acceptable for the father to be present in the delivery room, a fact for which I have ever been so grateful. I waited in the hallway just outside the delivery room. At precisely 4.13 p.m., I heard the sound I will never forget. It was Lance's First cry. The nurse emerged with a smile. She said, you have a baby boy. I casually nodded. Yeah, I know. I never doubted that I would have a son. I could hardly wait to get Connie and Lance out of the hospital and back home so that I could get my hands all over them. The wonderful glow of fatherhood was soon dimmed. However, when I was asked to visit the business office of the hospital. For they wanted me to pay for Lance. In fact, it seemed to me that my wife and child might be held hostage at the hospital if the bill wasn't settled. (laughs) So I wrote a check and I paid all the expenses in full and I freed my family and we made our escape. Yet that check turned out to be only the first of hundreds maybe even thousands of checks that would be written on Lance's behalf. Children are expensive. Can I get an amen? He says there was formula, there was food to buy, doctor's visits, vaccinations. They all assaulted my bank account. Diapers and toys took their toll, and clothes were a constant drain. And about the time that we built a great wardrobe for the child, he grew forcing us to start all over again. As his age and size increased, so did the expenses. I know you're all nodding your head right now. 
All of you parents are nodding your head. Soon it was baseball gloves and Nike shoes and uniforms. There were glasses for the eyes and braces for the teeth. And then disaster struck. Lance became a teenager. Now it's cars and dates and, and, and brand name clothes. And then came college. And Lance had always only wanted to be an architect. It seemed to me that he was going to stay in school until he was 42 years old. Expenses soared, tuition, books, drawing tools led the list of essential expenditures. But of course, just like parents everywhere, we were all too happy to be able to help him. And we did all that we could do to support his growth and his dreams. You parents can relate. And then one day, Lance died. On Halloween Day, 1991, we buried our 21-year-old son. That afternoon, we walked away from the grave. And since that day, we've never spent another nickel on Lance. That's how I learned the principle of generosity. Death is cheap. Death is can be sustained without expense. It's the living that's costly. It's the growth that's expensive. Our dreams, our visions, our hopes, they require sacrifice. Death does not. And that's why I will always belong to a church that needs my money for the living, for the growing. Thriving church will always require Continual, constant, conscientious, final support of its people. What a powerful illustration. And isn't that so true? We give because giving sustains something that is alive. And if you feel life here, if you feel alive here, that's why we give just to sustain this life. Our mission here and our goal, and Pastor Kevin and I, <coughs> Jay, the pastor, we've talked about this often, but you will never hear on this platform condemnation and shame. We are never going to ridicule, ridicule you and put you down, but our mission is to always, from this platform, bring life empower you and lift you up, encourage you, stir your heart, stir your passions, stir your dreams, and always remind you of who you are in Christ Jesus. Because you are not defined by your behavior, but you are defined by Jesus's unconditional love towards you. And that's great news. Number one, giving sustains life, something that is alive. Number two, giving brings a breakthrough. Notice who this breakthrough is for. Giving brings a breakthrough. And I, I know there's a lot of people watching right now, especially with what's going on in our world, that they really need a breakthrough. You need a breakthrough. But let me challenge you for this idea, with this idea for just a moment, that in the kingdom of God, every step, we're taught this, uh, Jesus has kind of taught, taught it this way. Every step we take 
here on earth is a step that we take in victory because of what God has already done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is why you can be needing a breakthrough and then change your perspective because we already know that we're victorious. That's why you see some people who have great need, but you almost don't even see the need because their mindset and their perception, their, their perspective has shifted so much so that they already see the breakthrough coming. And so they begin to live and walk and act as if the breakthrough's already there. That's that speaking those things that are not as though they were and living it as though they've already happened. Breakthrough. I, I may be dead deep in a valley, but because of what Christ has done for me, I can hold on to that promise. And even though I don't see my breakthrough and I don't feel my breakthrough, I know that my breakthrough is coming. But when, you're, when your mind shifts from not needing a breakthrough, even when you actually need a breakthrough, to becoming a breakthrough for other people, then your breakthrough happens. Is that clear as mud? I'm going to say that again. When your mind shifts from not needing a breakthrough, even though you do, to becoming a breakthrough for other people, then you get your breakthrough. Most of our breakthroughs come personally when we become the breakthrough for those around us. Listen, my friends, you don't give because uh, you just want God's blessing. And if that's what you've been taught in church your whole life, and, and that, that is taught a lot, um, that's wrong. We don't give just so that we can get. We don't give so that we can get a blessing. Um, but we give because we love to bless people. We love to honor people. I heard it said once years ago, and I, I love this. You know what's better than needing a financial miracle? Not needing a financial miracle. You know what's better than not needing a financial miracle? Being someone else's financial miracle. Wow. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? But it only happens when you have a plan. It only happens when you plan to be generous, when you plan to be a blessing to people. It only happens when you plan to get out of debt. Debt may, debt may seem like a huge mountain for you, but if you started today to climb out of that mountain, you would be shocked at what kind of generous giver you may be able to be in five years or in ten years. You could do things that you never thought were possible. But you have to understand that we give not to get a breakthrough, but we give to be a breakthrough. Okay, I'm blessed to be a blessing. And this principle is so important for us to understand as sons and daughters in the kingdom of God because when you become other people's breakthrough, it changes everything. In fact, when you talk about money, a lot of people, especially if you watch other sermons about money and preachers and, and this is all, they start talking about, oh, well, that's just a prosperity preacher. Oh, that's just prosperity gospel. And, and they don't even actually even know what it is. But listen, uh, it's Prosperity gospel is basically this. You just pray, give, and you'll be prosperous. Listen, that's not the way it works. It's not just to pray and give and, and you, you get it all. I believe that God does want us to be prosperous. God does want you to be rich. 
Okay, he does want you to be blessed. He does not want you to be living in debt. And there's lots of scriptures I can pass along for that. He wants you to be blessed. But it's not just a pray and give and I'm going to be blessed. It's God wants you to have a plan. God wants you to put work to it. God wants you to put faith. And he wants you to be a blessing to other people. To build something that actually sustains someone or something else. I'm going to skip through here. The third thing. So, one, giving sustains something that is alive, that sustains life. Two, giving brings a breakthrough. Three is giving creates a ripple effect. It creates a ripple effect because when you see generosity, it stirs generosity. When you see other people that are generous, it stirs something that is generous inside of you. Remember, it's not about a specific percentage. It's not equal giving. It's equal sacrifice. And if we all sacrifice just a little bit, the kingdom could be expanded in our midst. It was about a year ago, a little over a year ago, uh, like last January or February, I challenged the church to pray and, and set a goal to put some money aside so that we could sow a seed offering that Easter, last Easter. And so people began to save money and set goals, and it was exciting. It was really exciting. It was exciting to hear people talk about it. That Easter Sunday morning, we took up an offering, uh, and, and the whole vision and mission behind it was that we could maybe one day purchase this property. So we take up an offering, and that Sunday morning, we had over $60,000 given. We had some people that saved up for weeks and weeks, and it may not be much to some of you, but for them it was a lot, and they gave hundreds, a couple hundred dollars, two, three hundred dollars. We had people that saved up, and they gave five hundred dollars. We had a few people that saved up and gave thousand. We had some that gave two thousand. We had a few that gave five thousand. We had a couple that even gave ten thousand dollars. I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you. That stirred my faith. It stirred my generosity. I, I wanted to give, and I wanted to be a better giver and a bigger giver. And I just, you, you, it just, it's, it's exciting. When, some, when you see other people that are generous, it's this ripple effect, and it started inside of me. And then a couple months later, a couple months down the road, <coughs> that generosity started going <laughs> downhill for me. Um, I wasn't as excited as I once was. The reason is because I was I was pumped to go to banks and tell these bankers, hey, we have $100,000 in the bank, and we want to buy this property, and it's just a little over a million. And the banks laughed at me. <laughs> you don't have enough money. You're not old enough with your financial history. Um, if you wanted to do this, if we were to take a chance, you're going to need another 150000 So you're going to need at least two fifty. To, to be able to do this. And I thought, how in the world are we ever going to make that work? How in the world? I mean, for us to come up with the 100000 it took us almost two years uh, saving money to come up with 100000 I mean, we don't, we don't make a lot of extra money here. We pay our expenses, but there wasn't a lot of freedom to just save up money. How are we going to come up with another two hundred or $150,000. So that was Easter Sunday, and I started kind of getting bummed. I started thinking about our lease that was coming up, and I just kept praying because God, 
God told me a, a year ago that, that this property was going to be ours. And I believe that. And I stood on it, man. We prayed every day at 11 o'clock. My alarm would go off. And I would pray and declare that this property was ours. All of a sudden, I was really starting to doubt that. And I get an email uh, the, the end of last year or the beginning of January of this year from a guy who says, hey, I'm one of the owners of the property. I don't know you, but I'm going to come to Houston and talk to you. Long story short, he says, hey, I, I want you to have this property, and I want to get out of it. Um, how much money do you have? And I said, well, all I've got is $100,000. And he goes, well, I owe 234000 to the bank. And once I do that, it's paid for. He says, let's do this. You give me your $100,000. I will give you $134,000. We'll take this to the bank, and we'll pay off the bank, and then I will owner finance this property for you, and it will be yours. And, man, that was the most exciting thing ever. He was generous. And I remember sitting in this meeting, and Chris Campbell asked him, he said, why? Why would you do that? And this guy said, because this property was initially purchased for ministry and to build the kingdom of God. And you guys are doing that. And this is my way of sowing back into the kingdom. That's generosity. That is being a cheerful giver. That is a generous giver. And what it did is it stirred something up and it creates this ripple effect. And people wanted to start being a part of something that is bigger than themselves. This house is a generous house. We're not a rich house, but we're a generous house. Every year we've adopted a family and we've loaded them up with your generosity and we've sent them out of this place during Christmas time with just tons and tons of gifts for them and their family. Many of you, uh, you, some of you don't know this, but there have been several cars, I think three cars that have been given away here in this church. There's been people that had these great needs of a vehicle, and someone came and either gave them a car or bought them a car. That is generous giving. A lot of you are, are supporters of orphans that that, that you support from all over the world as a part of the ministry through this church. You give financially every month to support some of these orphans. Some of you checked into Facebook a while ago, and that is one of the ways that we give and that we support missions. And so we try to do all that we can do. We've, we've built schools and provided education and water and shoes and so much more because of your generosity, because you're a giver into this house and it enables us to do more because we're better together. See, our goal at the exchange is to help train you to be generous, not just at church, but to be generous in life. To be a generous person when people are walking around you at work, that you're generous, that people just know uh, I, I give you this illustration. It's not in my notes. This would be a goal. Uh, this would be a really cool place if a pizza guy just walked in and I was able to bless him with. Uh, that already happened, but uh, there's a, a missionary. Some of you may know and remember uh, Roger Kirkendall, and I've known him my whole life uh, since I was a little little bitty kid, and he's he spoke at our church when we were on 1960. And um, I learned you have to be real careful what you say around Roger. Uh, when he preached here, I told the same story because it's just the way he is. 
But we were playing golf one time, and uh, we were playing golf, and one of the guys we were with looked at Roger, and he had a brand-new R1 uh, tailor-made driver, and it had the plastic on it. And this guy goes, oh, dude, that is awesome. <laughs> Roger goes, yeah, he's in here, hit it. The guy hit it, and he goes, oh, i got to get me one of those. Roger goes, you can have it. He looked at Roger's bag, and Roger didn't have another driver. And he told Roger, he said, no, 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 no I'm not going to take it. He, no, take it. He said, God gave me that one. God, give me another one. Just gave it to him. I was like, good Lord. This guy's crazy. Then we were helping him move one time, and he had a motorcycle. It was an old motorcycle. It was like a 1987 or 91, like a Honda Rebel or something like that. And and he just rides it around, and it's, it still cranks up. It's awesome. One of the guys goes, man, I love this bike. Roger looked at him and he goes, you can have it. What? Yeah. He said, God gave me that. He'll give me another one. And he gave, it, gave him a motorcycle. One time I told him, I said, man, and this, I, I wasn't playing him. because, <laughs> But one time I was like, dude. Where'd you get that watch? That was an awesome watch. And he took it off. And he goes, it's yours. Here, you can have it. And he gave me his watch. I've seen him do that five or six times to people. Just give them stuff all the time. And I'm not around Roger very much. But I know that he does that all the time. And the reason is because his life is just engulfed in generosity. He's just a generous person. Everything that he does just provides life into other people. And I have told him this, and I've said this many times. Man, I hope that people see me that way. I hope that my life just speaks generosity. But I, not that I want credit, but I, I just want people to know that I live for you. That I live, I get life from being a blessing to you. My joy, my happiness, I feel fulfilled when I can be a blessing. And that's the culture that we want here at the exchange, that we want to stir here at the exchange. That, that when you come into this place, that you don't ever go, man, they're going to talk about money or they're going to want my money or whatever. But that you came in before before you even got here and you had decided, you know what? I've already decided I got $200 I'm going to give today. Maybe one day you decide, you know what? I've decided I'm going to give 20 bucks today. Yeah, you know, I, this is my coffee money. One day maybe you walk in and you say, you know what? I've already decided I'm going to give $1,000 to the exchange this week. Or maybe it's, you know what? I've already paid my offering to the exchange. What I'm going to do is I'm going to buy somebody dinner. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to lunch, and I'm just going to shock the socks off my waitress, and I'm going to give her like a $50 tip and just tell her Jesus loves her. What if, what if we all started becoming that generous person, and it began to ripple effect everyone that we come in contact with? What if this guy that we were able to bless earlier, I don't have a clue who he is. I don't know what he's going through. I don't know if, if he just lives a super blessed life. 
but I do know that it's Sunday and he's working Sunday morning and and no offense but church people aren't the best tippers and so most people in the restaurant business don't like working Sundays so maybe maybe he walked out of this place and he just felt so blessed maybe he walked out of this place and just thought this God this you know what if last night he was just praying and and said, man, I just need a miracle. It's a ripple. Giving creates a ripple effect. It sustains life. And that life is something that we hope to give you here at the church. It brings breakthrough. It makes you be the breakthrough for others. And then your breakthrough is manifested. And then it creates a ripple effect of generosity. Every person that we come in contact with. Again, not just about giving here in the church, but I'm talking about living a lifestyle. God, where can I sow generosity into? Who can I sow generosity into today? So I pray this prayer over you this morning that you understand that our heart as the exchange is that we give generously. That when we give to the church, that we give wherever we're at, that we do it with a cheerful heart, not reluctantly or begrudgingly, but that we give with palms up, just so thankful to be a blessing. And as that becomes the culture of us personally, it becomes the culture of our church. And that, my friend, will help us change the world. I believe that. Father, we thank you so much, Jesus, for everything that you've done, everything that you've given, everything that you've provided. God, over and over and over in my life, it, there's just been miracle after miracle after miracle. I can think of so many, so many times that you provided when I didn't know how or where. But God, I thank you that from a young age, my parents instilled inside of me what it meant to be generous, what it meant to be a good giver, even, even just taking offerings into children's church or kids' church. I remember as a little kid just being so excited to give and to want to give. God, and I thank you that that's the way my, my children are, that my children love to give and that they want to bless people. And, and Lord, I pray that as they grow, that I never hold that back, that I never hold them back in that in that aspect but God as a pastor I pray that I always reflect that in my own life God that I, I personally am a generous giver not just financially but I'm generous with my time when someone needs me that I, I'm generous with my talent if, if it's available if I can make use of it and I pray right now this morning God that there's somebody that's listening that, that finances isn't the problem. It's being generous with their talent. God, that they have a gift that you've, you've instilled and that you've put in their heart, and, and they're being stingy with it. And I, I pray right now, God, that you just break that. God, and they become generous with the talents that you've given them, generous with the time maybe that they have, and, and that there's something else more that they can do. God, let us be a church that our culture is generosity. And with that, God brings life, 
With that, God brings breakthrough, and with that brings a rippling effect to everyone we come in contact. And we give you the praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray.